Welcome back to part two, Title Talk, the podcast where real estate experts unpack the latest trends and insight in the industry. And now your host, Bob Carlson and Claude Rich. And we're back with uh, Richard Soto from VIP Realty. So we just we were just talking about, you know, all things video, YouTube. What are you doing next? So you're the king of YouTube. You've <laughs> got the you've got the SEO. You've got the pay per click. What's next? You know, I'm never reliant on one vertical. As, as I stated earlier, SEO changed years back, and I was dethroned from the number one spots for all the short tail. So during that time, it was great for me, actually, because it taught me that I need to diversify our lead generation tactics. So I'm always adding different things, whether it's SEO, YouTube, long form, short form, social media. We've done radio ads. I've done TV ads in the past, direct mail. I'm always looking to see what else can we implement because you should never rely on one lead generation source, never. And I see all these gurus all the time telling agents, Go all in on YouTube. Go. Well, yeah, that's fine until YouTube decides they don't want your content. Or they or change you the algorithm, right? Yeah, or they change it, and then you're going to be out of business. Or, or you're missing all the people that don't look at YouTube. Exactly. So you can never rely on one thing. That's one thing I pride myself at VIP Realty. We have a lot of irons in the fire. Not only do we have the irons in the fire, I mean, we're smoking and cooking because we're great at all of them. I mean, and that's just such a huge competitive advantage for us. And – when you say so, you said you pr- for for content purposes, you go long long form. What do you consider long form? Is that like a five minute video as ten opposed minutes at least ten minutes ten at minutes. Least. You know, and it, it doesn't all have to be long form. Um, th- there's also a case to be made for short form. However, if I had to choose, I would rather do long form just because it's going to build that trust, that connection with your prospect. Is there a place for TikTok videos? Absolutely. YouTube shorts, absolutely. Do we do them? Yes. But do I know of the millions and millions and hundreds and hundreds of deals that we've done, which one's more effective? Absolutely. This is not theory. These are facts that I know. (laughs) So that's the difference. I know everybody goes with what everybody's saying. Short form, short form. You got it. That's fine. Do what you want to. Actually, please do it. And do what doesn't work so I can keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> so that's the way I see it. Well, and so most people would go, well, if I'm doing a five-minute, no one's going to watch five minutes. What do you What do you find on that? Is it they'll, they'll get to it, they'll stop watching and come back to it? Or is it just the content that gives everybody the information that you're looking to give them? Great question. So everything that we do, whether it's on our website, videos, we always look at the analytics. I always look at what words did they Google to get to my website. Why would the, why did they bounce so much when they land on this website, on this web page? Why what? I'm not providing the information. They're leaving. I need to fix that. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the videos. I'll look at the analytics on our YouTube videos. Around minute three, everybody left. It's just a drop decline. Oh, I'm talking trash and acting crazy. Maybe I should stop doing that, <laughs> yeah, okay? Right. Maybe I need to straighten out when I'm discussing, you know, right. financial information, whatever the case is. So I always look at the analytics. Don't ever just do something without looking at the numbers. So I always look. And when I'm doing content, whether it's a blog post, web page, video, I always do keyword research. Big nugget, guys. Most of you are doing videos for absolutely no reason. Nobody will ever look at, look at it. Nobody will watch it. Nobody's going to call you. You have to provide information that people are actually looking for. 
And how do you how do you farm that information? Numerous ways. So doing this for so many years, I already know what people want. But let's say I'm going into a new market. First, I'll look at the competitors. Who's dominating YouTube in New York City? Okay. I'll pull, there's a tab on YouTube where you can put most popular. I'll take out the top 10. I'll go to another competitor, top 10. After I get to five, you'll realize in whatever industry, these are all pretty much the same darn topics. Right. right. So my uh, mindset is I'm going to do the exact same 10. I'm going to make them better. I'm going to put my personality right. on these videos. And the good thing about video is they might like Claude better. They might like Bob's personality better. Right. They might like mine better. And the good thing is I don't want to deal with you if you don't like my personality anyway. So I'm going to get the calls I should. Bob's going to get the calls right. that he should. Um, so I'm always doing keyword research. I'm looking at the competition. And then there's a lot of free tools that people can use as well. So there's a ton. I, we, our team uses Ahrefs, but you have to pay for that. But it gives us a ton of keywords. It tells me, hey, people are looking for this. Here's the trend. Here's what they're looking for. It gets searched X amount of times per month. So there's a lot of data out there, and I just produce what the data says. The problem with agents is they discuss ah, – you know, I don't know. It's it's fall season, <laughs> how to make a pumpkin pie or something. I don't know. Just things that nobody in the real estate that's buying or selling is ever going to look at. Right. But how many people, so we're sitting here and you're telling, you're talking about what you're doing. And So if you were to go to 100 agents and you would and you say, what are you doing? How many of those 100 would be doing one-tenth of what you're doing? 10%. Yeah, probably, <laughs> it's an probably. You know, and the problem is is a lot of it's not their fault. They're just trained improperly. They're, every time I'm on Facebook, I hear I see all these gurus, supposedly. Right. They're talking out their behind. They have no idea what they're saying. And, guys, if you're going to buy a course, okay, and spend money, if the guy selling you a YouTube course has 20 subscribers – Right, and his most popular <laughs> video has five views. Maybe you shouldn't buy that course. And then not only that, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's people that sell SEO courses, whatever the case is, and they'll say, "Well, I did 50 million in sales in the last 12 months." Well, guess what? I have access to a lot of MLSs, so I can pull those numbers up. And when yeah. I pull them up, you can call bullshit. Those, those numbers, I'm like, maybe you did fifty thousand dollars in sales, not fifty million. Did you add a couple zeros? <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, we, we, we get a lot of that as well, and we've always looked to say, hey, Claude, pull this guy up. Yeah. Pull this person up. And he looked, oh, they had two last year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to do 20 this year. Right. <laughs> How are you going from two to 20? Right, right. No, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And, and, you know, what I tell agents is I could sell a course. I could sell a very expensive course. I know what I'm doing. But I lose money trying to sell a product for $300. Why would I sell a course for $300 when I can make a $30,000 sale? Right. You know, so a lot of lot of money being spent on But you're more than happy to ch help your agents. If you're on my team. Yeah. If you're on my team, I will help you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so uh, let's go. Sorry, you mentioned I want to go back real quick, uh, pivot just slightly to what is your – what's your take on this NAR business? <laughs> And for uh, anyone who doesn't know, the NAR just lost a massive lawsuit where they have essentially said the cooperation agreement between seller's agent and buyer's agent is no longer legal. legal. Something about collusion. 
take away the fact that it'll take 10 years for them sure. to get through appeals and all the other stuff, but short term, what's, what effect, if any, do you think that'll have on your, on your business specifically? Unless you guys tell me it's going to change. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, guys, it's, I don't worry about things that haven't happened. I don't put my energy, time, and resources. We, I know agents that are obsessed with this. They can't sleep. They're freaking out. They're panicking. I'm like, nothing's happened. What are you panicking about? Let's focus on closing another deal. Quickly. So you have no concern that somehow VIP Realty is going to be brought into a lawsuit nope. in Texas? No, I, I, I'm not concerned at all. And if that was to happen, we'll address it at that time. But I can't consume myself with maybes and could bes or things like that. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of peace of mind. I'm going to sleep. Good answer. Tonight. Well, I think, too, <laughs> is that when you look at that, as you see a lot of the people that are talking about it on the, the buyer's agent side is what's going to happen. Are they going to go to a flat fee or an hourly fee and doing this? And we, we <coughs> internally look at it and go at some point there, there's a value to the service sure. and the value will, will level itself out, whether it remains the same as it currently is just with different documentation. So it's not an agreement. Sure. It's just a contract with a buyer or whatnot. But <coughs> the the astute buyer is doing it anyway, but the new buyer or the person that needs help needs the expertise of the agent. Without and, question. And, and if they think that someone's going to, as we've talked about, be available, spend the time, do all that for, for nothing, it's not going to happen. And so I think it does a disservice to the buyers not having those agents there. And to Claude's point, 10 years from now when the appeals are over sure. and it settles out and – because ultimately that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And there'll be some agreement that everyone comes to. Um, we'll, we'll be passed on. <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe, maybe retired. Hopefully so. <laughs> but so if it's, you know, the perfect storm, that, and then you have the interest rate increase, sure. low, low inventory. What are you guys doing to combat that? Or, or what are you seeing in the marketplace that's, kind of changed a little bit in the last, call it year. Sure. No, interest rates definitely have impacted sales and transactions without question. Saying that, there's still thousands of people that are buying homes each and every month. Right. So sales are still there. Make sure you're targeting the specific buyer that's buying. Who's buying? What price range? Right. Again, I never focus on the negative. Bottom line is when I look at the sales sheet on the MLS every day, there's a ton of sales being had regardless of the interest rate. That's all there is to it. So people are going to buy. And one thing that we've pivoted and started doing a lot the last couple of years has been commercial. Yeah. We've done a lot of commercial acquisitions, tenant rep, landlord rep. So that's been very right. good for us as well. That's just are you seeing great. Are you seeing a post-COVID impact on the amount of space that is, that is being taken by tenants? You know, we mainly focus on warehouse. Okay. Building and, and that's that's booming, right? It's absolutely. It's been booming. Don't do any office <laughs> retail. Um, actually, we works a, we works available. Right. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> absolutely. You know, we I had a forty plus million dollar shopping center under contract in Dallas, and it was a good client of mine. And this was during COVID. We went in there, and he, he looked at me. He said, "Richard, would you buy it?" You know, obviously, no. We could, I said. No, I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've done a lot of deals since right. then. You know, I'm always going to do what's right for the client. Um, so 
you know, retail office is, is tough. It's dead. Right it's yeah. really tough. Class yeah. B office space is unleasable at the moment. I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll ever come back. It it doesn't make any sense for all these office buildings. I I just don't see it unless you're a tenant owner occupied. So what do you what do you think happens? You know, da- Dallas specifically, right? Dallas downtown is office centric. Yep. Um, they've started building some you know residential, but what do you think happens to the landscape with those huge buildings that are going to be mostly <laughs> unoccupied? Condo conversion, I would imagine. I just don't know what else you do with them. Hopefully, the city is, you know, city will allow that change right. in use. Sure, because um, that that would make sense. Right. That'd be logical. But I don't I don't see what else you could do with it because there's so many millions of square feet of office space that's just being unused. <coughs> it's just, and I love downtown Dallas. I love that skyline. I hope it continues to yep. grow. Anytime I come from our Houston or San Antonio office and I come up 45, 35 North, I'm like, oh. Look at that Especially at night skyline. or sunset, oh, it's yes, great. It's gorgeous. Yep. But you know, it, twenty years ago, everyone would go downtown. Right. Now there's law firms in Frisco that are going further out, where people don't have to drive down there. And sure. so, you have two. <coughs> the property values around downtown are increasing as yep. far as residential, but the as Claude said, a lot of them are empty, yep. or they choose to work in their satellite office somewhere else, or they take they go from fifty thousand square feet to ten thousand square feet. Yep. So there's that issue as well. All right, you're in Texas, California. Where's next? Florida. Miami? That would be the first. (laughs) (laughs) I'm seeing a trend. (laughs) San Diego, (laughs) Miami. Sun. Y'all picked up on my strategy. (laughs) The way I pick offices is where do I like to go vacation and hang out? I love San Diego weather. Been going there for 20 years. So Cabo's coming soon too, right? I've gone to Tulum last month and looked at some properties. I actually looked into getting a license there. My staff is looking into it. I don't even think I have to have a license, but you have to have a working visa or something. But that's down the line. But, you know, anytime. Apparently, they're giving those things away for the right price. You know, they are. But I love Tulum. It's such a cool little vibey area. It's it's really neat. Yeah. Any markets you want to stay away from? Not really. Not so really. Detroit is uh, a is, is uh, Mark, Mark Z, Mark Z. Write that name down. Is one of the biggest brokers brokers in the country. Okay. He sells about eight nine hundred homes a year. Has made a magnificent business for himself in Detroit to this day. Very doing very right. very. I well. guess and Detroit's and, up back on listen, the list. <laughs> and he has no competition. So Mark, I might see you next yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. But it would go away from your trend of cities you want to go hang out. I, I in. might not visit that often, but you know, we'll have an office. I was in uh, <laughs> I was in Detroit at the airport this weekend. It, it's a, it's a great place to visit for two hours. Right. No, I could see that. I could see that for sure. <laughs> T- tell us a little bit about your involvement with um, you know, mentorship in the in the basketball thing stuff you're doing. Sure. I love basketball. Been playing it my whole life, and I love kids. So, as a young man, I've had, again, as I stated earlier, we moved around a lot, and I, my dad worked pretty much twenty hours a day every day. Very hard blue collar worker. Uh, so I had coaches take interest in me. Made sure I had shoes when I needed them. Gave me food. You know, gave me a place to stay if I needed it. Really took me under their wing, and I've never forgotten that. Um, so I have a passion for kids. Uh, my oldest son was an elite basketball player, traveled the country. I trained him at the MAC. I'd rent half the court just so him, yep. him and I could work out. Um, kids would ask constantly, can you work out with me? Nope. nope. 
I kept asking. Finally, I said five. Yes. Within a month's time, I had 50 kids on half a day. And it just grew from there. And then I, they said, well, will you coach? I said, no. I got better things to do all day Saturday and Sunday than we at the gym for 12 hours each day. Obviously, they taught me in <laughs> um, Now it's just grown to a huge program. We have probably seven coaches. We have local developmental teams. We have elite travel teams. We assist in numerous kids, get scholarships, and, you know, go play nice. off in college. So um, it's definitely it's something out of love. It's not for the money, that's for sure. And, and that's the good thing about when you're a coach and you don't need it for financial reasons like most coaches do. You right. can do it for I the love of it. I will coach it my way. How I want, if you want to quit, quit, I don't care. <laughs> you know, there's no equal playing time at right. BLE basketball. Either you're going to get it done or you're not. We're going to develop you during practice. It sure as heck ain't going to be during the game. You were just talking about that. That we, you, I was having a flashback moment. Now, I, 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 my son played basketball. He's a, he's a sophomore in college now. He played against you and in, in your son. Probably. Yes. Probably you know, I, was, I was picturing you <laughs> on the sideline now. I was like at the uh, at the field house and some other tournaments. Well, hopefully I wasn't too crazy. I've been known to get out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've learned I've learned sit sit in the middle, keep right. your head down as you're yelling at the refs. Right, right, right. No, <laughs> then I, they don't I, know who's coming t- from. Totally agree. Totally agree. No, I'm very passionate about it. You know, a lot of parents, if they don't know me, don't know how much I love these kids, like my own. And our, our parents and I laugh all the time because from seeing it from a third-party view that don't know me, and I'm out there yelling and screaming, cussing, smashing the clipboard, they think that guy is a complete lunatic. I would never let my son or daughter play for him. He's crazy. But they, they have no idea. Right. Yeah. No idea. Well, they, they don't just, understand <laughs> the commitment either. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's easy having the child that's playing and right. you're just sitting there, but, but – Coaching and doing the tournaments, if there's six or seven games in a weekend, they don't realize that commitment that's there. Uh, every day. This weekend, Bob, my first game was at 8 on Saturday. Yeah. Saturday night. Last one's at 9. Right back at 9 a.m. on Sunday. I think I left at 4. Monday, 6 a.m. practice to 10. Tuesday, yeah. 6, left at 9 last night. This is a commit. This is I actually this spend is, more time job. with a basketball <laughs> yeah. than I do with real yeah. estate, and it's believe me, the return on investment is not yeah. the same. Easier, <laughs> easier to coach a talented kid or a coachable kid? That's a tough question because th- I actually had a conversation yesterday with some of my teammate uh, t- players. I said, "There's some of you I wish I could just sit your butt down on the bench and never put you in, but you're too good, and I need you." <laughs> and I go, "There's some of you kids that are such good kids." Hardworking, committed, very respectful. I want to put you in, but little Johnny, you can't catch the ball. I'm just <laughs> not gonna do it. You know what's what's <laughs> what's funny? You, you bring that up. So we, I was in at my s- older son goes to University of Michigan, so we we're parents' weekend this weekend, and we we're watching a football game. He's like, "Oh, remember I used to play with that guy," and he was going through the list of kids that he played with and, and played basketball with, and the irony of them—they were all really good basketball players. But most of them became better at other sports, mm. and now they're playing college in in football or whatever it may be. But it's it's funny to to your point is that you know you see some of these kids, and they're just there because <coughs> someone's helping them, someone's pushing them, someone's doing, and you know they don't have a lot at home sure. sometimes, or this is the way out. But it's great. It's I love to see it too, enough because we're watching the TV. He's like, "Oh, there's there's this kid." Or you're watching a basketball game. Sure. Kids in the NBA now, and you're like, "Wow, that's amazing." Right. 
Remember back when? Yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's laughs> like the amazing thing this last year, this last draft, six kids from Dallas were playing in the NBA. And oh, wow. Two or three were in the top 15. Yeah. That is how competitive it is right here in the basketball world. Well, and I, I think that's in not only basketball, uh, Everything. Fo- football, soccer. Sure. My son's a soccer player, and it's, it's ridiculous. Right. It's, yep. yeah. So depending on how you look at it, it's really good or really yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's one of those things, too, is, is, I mean, obviously in basketball, if you're tall, it, it works. Sure. And if you're, if you're not, it's fun. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I always tell the kids is as long as you're not four, you know, five foot two. Oh, skill web. Sk- sk- yeah, <laughs> true. Like, skill can always be impactful. You know, it's I, – I, I get kids all the time, you know, they're 5'10", 5'11". Like, Coach, can I make it in college? I go, absolutely. Right. He's going to have to outwork everybody. Your skill is going to be outrageous compared to everybody else. Right, right. But it can be done. So if you're willing to put in the work, right? If yep. you're, it, yes, exactly. So, <coughs> you know, I have some very committed kids that literally work out every day, five, six days a week, three hours a day. Wow. Um, and, and they're hungry. You don't have to tell them to go in the gym. I got to kick them out. I'm like, I got to go home. Got to right. feed my youngest. We, we got to go. Then I have other kids that are naturally gifted that are just lazy. Yeah. I'm just like, man, you're just you're just throwing it out the window, son. Yeah. I and wish they'll you wake up. So <laughs> they'll wake up. They'll wake up junior year and go, what happened? Yep. Why did everyone pass me? I see that story all the every time. Year, every all the time. Fell. And especially the kids that grow early, yep. that don't have to put in the work, and then they go and it's like, oh wow. You know, and there's a lot of distractions out there. You know, I, I've seen kids nationally ranked. They have a lot of promise. Get a little girlfriend mm-hmm. or boyfriend. Yep. And then basketball is just not that important anymore. Or I've seen where you know I need to get a job. I want to get some you know Nike shoes or whatever right. it is. You know, and I'll do my best. I'm like, son, this doesn't matter, man. It's, you're, you're not going to – don't do it. <laughs> you know, but I, I only have so much so leeway. Yeah. So, but, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I see a lot of careers kind of get thrown down the tra- down the drain right at the last turn. Right. right you put in all that time, yeah. and now now it's grind. And Finish it's, line right, yeah. right in front of you, you're going to throw it away. Oh, yeah. it's hard to watch. Yeah. All right, let's do some rapid-fire questions. I'm going to go randomly here. Okay. Favorite book? The Bible. Good answer. Ideal vacation. Anywhere I have my boys, a beach, some zip lines, ATVs, and a jungle is ideal. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Have you done Brazil? I haven't gone to Brazil. You like that. Okay. It's it has all that and um it's humid. That, yeah, <laughs> but that's it, the only downside. It, it but yeah, good. that sounds like fun. Favorite uh, favorite Dallas restaurant? Oh, that's a tough one. You know, I've been going to the Monarch a lot lately, only because of the views. The views are amazing. And, you know, you go up to the little sushi place and get some more drinks. So probably the Monarch right now. Fi- uh, so other than basketball and VIP Realty, do you have time for anything else when you aren't working? No. <laughs> <laughs> That pretty much covers it all. <laughs> all right. Um, Richard, thank you for being here today. One last thing. What we typically do is we ask our um, our current um, guest to, uh, to leave a question for our next guest. Ooh, so um, what question would you like to ask our next guest? Or what is there anything we haven't asked you that right. you would have liked us to ask you? Okay. How about – it's pretty much real estate industry that comes here. 
that's it. Every once in a while, we have like we had someone from Bell Helicopter. It was tied into real estate, but t typically, yes. You know, I'm always interested to know if you weren't in real estate, what would you do? Good question. Awesome, Richard. Thank, thank you, you so much, guys. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. It was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank appreciate you. it very much. Thanks. That wraps up another exciting episode of Title Talk. A big thank you to our special guest, Richard Soto from VIP Real Estate. If you enjoy this show, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Your feedback helps us continue bringing the valuable insight into the world of real estate. Thanks for tuning in to Title Talk with Bob and Claude.